Welcome to the Oh My God podcast, season two, with your co-hosts, Zelda Lebowitz and Hannah Rachel Cohen Portnoy. In season one, the podcast aimed to talk about success in the face of failure, modern Judaism, and real life. Season two will deliver the same message, but even more potently. Zelda and Hannah Rachel have individually and collectively been challenged by the Jewish system they grew up in. Through their evolution, through their questions, failures, mistakes, and heartbreaks, they've begun to untangle much of what was keeping them in survival mode so they could truly be set free to thrive. This is what they'll dissect each week with you, the Jewish journey, real, raw, and vulnerable. Because that is the only thing that can truly change lives and maybe even save them. You're only one episode away from being more honest with yourself. pleasure to have you on our podcast. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to share with us. Um, if you could just share with our listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do. This is Ida Schottenstein, everybody. Um, and this is exciting. Yes, this is really exciting. I'm really excited for this Who you are, yeah, who you are, what you do, and how you got into it. Okay, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. Um, my name is Ida Schottenstein. I am a multi-role woman. Um, always a work in progress. I do many different things, uh, but I mean, obviously, my main role is you know wife, mom, and seeker of authenticity, truth. Um, always wanting to learn, a student. And a couple of years ago, I launched a, a platform called the Multiple Woman, which is dedicated to having real conversations, but really talking about mental health in a way that's digestible. You know, people like often steer clear of conversations where there's stigma. And I think if we can just make it more, um, you know, make it easier to talk about and digest and make it relatable to everybody, uh, that might make a little difference and um, maybe start important conversations or continue important conversations. Um, so yeah, I, in that's, a nutshell. Yeah, it's amazing because wow. it's definitely something that's super stigmatized, especially, in communities and circles where we all come from, and I feel like we all come from pretty um, religious backgrounds, so Jewish from homes, um, and I think that's pretty stigmatized. So that's amazing that you're um, uncovering some of those, you know, conversations that must be had. Um, that actually that is a great segue into um, our next question, which is like how. What is your relationship with Judaism? Like, how did it begin? You know, even though we all grew up, and I'm sure you have also like grew up religious, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it was personal or it was, you know, something that really, or maybe it has, I don't know. Like what, if you could take us along that journey a little bit. Yeah. So I think that people who were born and raised from, I think often what happens is we feel like we were born into it. So we didn't choose it. So there's a little bit of like a back and forth. Oh, is this something that I want? Is it something that I don't want? I'm not sure. I was born into it. My parents are um, shluchim uh, for the Russian community in Montreal and they're amazing people. And so I was raised um, with, you know, from kite religion in my life and, you know, it wasn't shoved down my throat. So I, you know, I was able to digest it properly. I think that um, it was harder at school. I think the community that I grew up in um, was more black and white. And um, it was kind of like good girl, bad girl. So if you were a little bit modern, then you were, or, or I, I'll just talk about my own experience because obviously everyone has their own 
their own experience where they grow up. But where this, you know, where I grew up at home, I felt unconditionally loved um, in the community because I was a little out of the box, um, a bit of, I would say juvenile delinquent. I was rebellious. Um, I was kicked out of school and kicked out of summer camp. And it was really hard um, because the world was so black and white. I thought, well, if I can't fit in here, then something must be wrong with me. And so that really impacted my self-esteem. And I just felt like I was, I don't want to say a failure, but it certainly made me feel not great. Like, oh, I can't fit in here. So I sort of don't fit in anywhere. So I went on a journey. I definitely went on a journey. I, you know, when I was kicked out of school, I went to Postville, Iowa um, for the school year, which helped me grow. I think that going there, I was, I had a clean slate. I was a new person. So I had the opportunity to, um, to feel like I had, I could make an impression. And um, I felt like there was not, a, there was not judgment there because no one knew my parents. They didn't know where I came from. It wasn't like I was too modern compared to my family. Um, so I came back, you know, definitely more, um, more, a little more confident and felt like there was hope. That was kind of the before, I guess, fast forward. A um, couple of years, I got married and I definitely did struggle, but on some level, I knew that I didn't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, I, I knew that I didn't want to reject it fully. Um, at the time, I didn't know why. Now looking back, I have a better idea of why. I just maybe had some wisdom that um, was un not yet uncovered. And so I think, you know, that was then. I think today the lesson I learned was that um, you know, we're always, we're always works in progress. I'm always learning. I know that, I know people who left religion to find freedom. I know people who came to religion to find freedom. So I knew that the answer wasn't in doing anything um, drastic. You know, don't do, don't, don't, don't do anything just yet. Explore, explore, you know, grow, learn, um, discover more about what's going on beneath the surface. And that's what I did. So I spent many years exploring, you know, who I was in search of my own identity. And it was a journey, um, which is part of the reason I started the platform because I learned about my own mental health challenges that I had to overcome. And a lot of what I was saying uh, was resonating with people that I was speaking with, um, whether it was like a small group or, you know, through my podcast. So I knew that I wasn't alone and um, I'm rambling, but I guess my journey in within Judaism was definitely had some questions because I wanted to feel like I was choosing it and then came to a point where I realized that um, nobody has the answers and um, always on a journey to discover more. I do recognize today that um, that Emuna and Bitachain is the way. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's unbelievable. It's really incredible um, to be so in touch with yourself. Right. Even at such a young age, age right. to have that inner wisdom, to have that knowledge. And I, I like to call it kind of like an Isarusa Dila meaning like an awakening from above, something from Hashem that's like pushing you along, giving you those answers, even when you're kind of young and immature and don't really know where that guidance is coming from. Um, what is one of the um, I guess biggest challenges, if you'll share with us, that you faced in Judaism um, along the way, and something that's been challenging for you, and yet and you've overcome it. 
or continue to struggle with? Or? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I would say with uh, full amuna and bitachon, it's something that um, I think I struggle with on a daily basis. But I do know that, and I still struggle with it. So I didn't. I, it has not been overcome. I think let's just for our listeners that don't know what that is, uh, amuna is faith and bitachon is trust in God. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I, and, and I guess another way of saying it is, you know, surrender, mm-hmm. um, surrender and, you know, to give up control over the outcome of anything. I think that that's really where freedom resides. And I think that's where a lot of people who are struggling, um, you know, for example, if you're looking at something like Alcoholics Anonymous or, you know, any um, addiction recovery, it's really about surrender. It's about surrendering control over um, whatever it is that you think you have control over, because ultimately we have none. And bringing God into your life, into my, bringing God into my life would be, you know, saying, I, I trust you, Hashem. You know, I really do trust you. I actually had a, a dream that um, Hashem came and said, you know, Ida, I'm giving you the reins, right? You can run the world because I had all these things that I wanted to be different. And once I had those, you know, that control, I didn't want it. It was so overwhelming. And give it back. And I said, Hashem, no, you, you, you do this. And how often like are things overwhelming? And we're like, you know, could you just take care of this for me? Cause it's too much. So I think that once we can accept that we don't have control and surrender that control, that's where freedom lies. And I think on an intellectual level, and I think that on many levels, we all know this, um, but it's it's just a hard it's a hard thing to to attain. Right, I'd love to say like the blessing lies in the unknown. Like when yeah, we, when we give up our need for control. There's right. so many blessings that come our way, and I think it also comes from this like idea of needing to perform or needing to be perfect or needing like we have we are so attached to certain outcomes because we already like pre imagined it or pre-planned it or how it should be if you know to kind of uphold certain identities and I think once we really radically accept ourselves with all our weaknesses and strengths because like growing up you know we just have so much pressure to in or for at least for me but I know like a lot of people struggle with which is amazing that you you actually said like you had like so much unconditional love at home but then you you struggled within the community or within your school to feel that place and a lot of people don't have that unconditional love at home and find let's say you know, a place where they sort of are able to totally let go in school or you know in other areas where they are offered that unconditional love which really is acceptance and not needing to perform not needing to sort of like uphold an identity or have like this idea of perfection that's really what unconditional love is I think once we give it to ourselves, not because we're perfect and not because I have all of this stuff that deserves to be loved, which it, it, we do, but because we are a part of Hashem, because of that thing that we have inside ourselves, which is our soul, which are neshama, and that also ends up meaning to, that we give love to other people because they have the exact same thing we have. We're not special. We have our uniquenesses, but the part that we love ourselves, that we should love ourselves for, everyone has so I think that it's it really took me a while to learn this and I'm still learning and I still fall short so much to just accept myself and not need to you know uphold but this idea that you're saying about trust and 
being able to surrender, is there something that you're saying, like it's an ongoing struggle or something that you're still challenged with? What do you do or how do you sort of rectify um, this challenge? Right. Um, well, I think through tools, you know, change doesn't happen overnight. And certainly being able to completely, you know, give up control and giving up control is not really um, saying I'm not doing anything. I mean, people know that it, like I'm giving up control over the outcome, but I'm going to enjoy the, the, the process of whatever I'm doing. But the how part, I mean, I feel like that's part of the reason I started this journey. I went to school to become a therapist, a mental health counselor, and I also became an ADD coach um, at, you know, while I was doing that. And, and I think through the smaller, there are always like these little tools that make a big difference and they're often counterintuitive. So I'll give you an example. Um, one thing I struggled with was davening and saying to Hillem. You know, I didn't understand the words. I wasn't connecting with them. It just wasn't something I ever thought I would consistently do. And then, you know, one day I had a conversation with someone and I decided, you know, let me see if maybe I can start saying just my kids, you know, capital, capital have to tell them, right? Those, it's just four. So that's, it's easy. It's not, they weren't very long ones, thank goodness. So I started doing that because I knew that, you know, that, that if we knew the, I heard that if we know the power of the words of Tehillim, if we understood their power, we would be saying Tehillim all day, every day. So I said, okay, let me try. So I started to do that. It was a small thing in the beginning. It was really hard. And I noticed the difference in my life. Um, it's the things that are hardest to do. And this is why I think that, that this is not just a Jewish thing. This is like a life thing. It's usually the things that are hardest to do. And it's also the things that we don't imagine would make a difference that actually can make the biggest difference. Like things that are counterintuitive. That's why it's important to have a mentor. And that's another thing is having a mentor or a friend or someone you can bounce off of who can like, you know, check you and put you in your place sometimes when you need to be put in your place. Like, no, no, this is not working for you. Why don't you try this? And then you try and then there's trial and error, trial and failure. And then I think over time, you get to know yourself. And it's really important to not, to have a role model, but not to adopt all of their policies and practices blindly, right? So yes, I have a role model, but there are certain things that make that role model a role model. And those are the things that I wanna start emulating in my life. And let me see how that works for me. And if I notice, and if I wake up feeling more connected and I feel more authentic in my relationships, then I'll continue doing it. But then if it's holding me back, then maybe I won't. So we're all works in progress. So I think it's trial and error and mentors. Yeah. yeah. Like steady, consistent, small, little um, additions to your life, like to live. And also um, you need to be brave enough to have that, that trial and error mentality. Meaning, you know, again, I think it goes back to that idea of like being perfect, where like people don't want to make mistakes. So they're abandoning all this opportunity because they don't want to fail. You know, and the only way to explore is trial and error. Well, yeah, and I'll never forget when Zelda and I first became friends and she would just take risks. And I was like, I don't understand. How do you jump in and take these risks? Like, so not, not mindlessly, because everything she does, did was pretty much with intention, but like so e easily, easily. And she's like, why do you take yourself so seriously? What's the big deal? And like, for me, that was such a great, great lesson. It was like, yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, like the world was created for us and we have to function from that place, but there's so many opposites in Judaism, Judaism where it's like, we also should be humble enough to be like, okay, 
I can brave this storm or I can try this business or I can jump in and, and realize that there's so many, everything's a lesson. You know, it's like million dollar lessons all day from all these things that we are trying our hands at. And um, we have to be ready to yeah. fail and it's okay, you know? Yeah, I mean, risks have a whole spectrum. You know, I feel like, you know, a person who is afraid of taking risks, you can try with a smaller, like a micro risk, right? Instead of putting, let's say a million dollars into a business, put, you know, maybe try it on a smaller scale and adjust and see if it works. I think that everyone has to do what works for them so that they don't like, they don't, you know, you don't want to like jump into the deep end when you can't swim and then you're drowning. You want to be careful about that. Um, and also the failure is inherent in every single, um, with change, we risk failure, right? With any chance that you take, you're taking, you're also taking the chance that you might fail, hopefully learn in the process. But I mean, if you don't want to fail, I heard, I think I heard uh, Rabbi Chase Taub say this, like, if you don't want to fail, just stay in bed and right. you won't fail. And meanwhile, that's majorly failing too. Yeah. Like meaning there's no risk, there's no, there's absolutely no way we could not fail. Exactly. Just, we're just not conscious of, of how staying in bed is failing or how not opening the business is failing. Because all that time that we're just not doing, all that time could have been investing, learning, growing, you know? So it's just like, because it's not in our face, like it's not like a business fail, failing where it's like, embarrassing and your ego gets crushed and you lose money and it's not like outright like that but it could have been because you could have been building something that could have been successful or even just learn lessons that are extremely valuable and even like you know even uh small lessons are still million dollar lessons because they actually are of so much value right you know so it's so true yeah that actually brings us to our next question so everything that we go through in life, all of our challenges, all of our difficulties, I mean, good and bad, um, is really a gift from Hashem, ultimately. So I'm wondering, what was your biggest challenge or just a challenge that really um, you see it now as a gift? Um, so first I'll say that I, I really do believe, and, I've, and, I, and I'll, I'll share some examples from my life, but I do believe that there isn't a single challenge that doesn't have an opportunity for growth. Even people who've had, you know, serious struggles. And if this is, this is, this can be sensitive, you know, people who have suffered a lot and struggled a lot. Um, there's always an inherent lesson, something they did differently because of it, some way that they were able to maybe be more conscious, you know, living their lives and, and became maybe a better person for it, obviously given um, you know, hopefully that's, that was the choice they made because we can choose how, you know, how we move forward after a struggle. I would say for me, uh, my greatest struggle was probably confidence um, and believing that I had something to offer to the world. Uh, for a long time, you know, I had um, ADD and I've been very open about that struggle, um, being distracted very often and, you know, being afraid of losing my train of thought, things like this, like even a, a live conversation they were and are very scary for me because again, that's the risk that I take. Um, so I think it's been an opportunity because first of all, I've been able to help other people who have the same struggle and so many people, much more than I would have ever imagined have it. Um, and also, you know, you don't have to be an expert to share something with the world. I'm not an, I'm not an expert. I don't think I'll ever be. As a matter of fact, the more I learn, the more we learn, the less we know. And you know, if 
it's back when I started, I thought I knew everything. And now I'm like realizing how little I know. But the bottom line is that everyone has something to share. And if you're not sharing it, or at least not taking a, a small enough risk that you're comfortable or not so comfortable taking, if you're not doing that, I think that's essentially, and I speak to myself when I say this, that's essentially saying, you know, God, I, I've, got, I've got this, I don't need you, I've got control over, you know, over my life. And because God needs us, God needs us to express ourselves. He needs our expression, whatever that means of expression is. Um, so I think every challenge for me has been an opportunity for growth and has helped me change. One has been, um, you know, lacking confidence to uh, share things and have things to share or even, um, you know, putting myself out there um, gosh, there's been, a, there's been a, a few and a lot. And, and my, my goal is always to, to learn or at least try to learn from them. What would you say helped you get over that challenge? Like what, what were some of the tools that you did? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, working on myself, being hard on myself in the beginning, but I think now I, I I'm a little bit more self-compassionate. I'm always working on myself. I don't think a day goes by where I'm not, um, you know, looking for something to help me grow. I think, I don't think I know. One big source of inspiration for me is um, the, uh, Soul Words, uh, Rabbi Shays Taub's website slash podcast. I think that his his lessons, like his classes are, they're digestible, they're easy to understand. He can bring down very difficult and hard to understand concepts and make them, and just kind of simplify them. Um, so that's been really helpful for me just staying connected spiritually and also staying connected physically, like to other people, um, to my family and just knowing, you know, having values, knowing what's important and um, adjusting my day accordingly because it's so easy to be busy, but right. it's a lot to be productive, you know? And, and so just checking myself like, okay, I did all these things today, but my most important role in life is my role as a mother because I, no one can replace me as a mom. So did I show up? Did I show up as a mom? Did I show up, you know, for the world, for myself, for my husband, for, you know, for the people who need me? So that's kind of how I do it one day at a time. Wow. I really relate to the confidence thing because often, I mean, I would say that I, I was always fairly confident in terms of like just my personality, but, you know, with Instagram and with the whole, you know, my own journey, I was religious and then I wasn't, and then I was and just like, oh, wow, people must think I'm crazy or just like having that sort of like self-critical conversation in my head. I think that, and like, you know, when I would have like this urge to share something inspiring, which I, which I do often, but, you know, I still always have like this thought, like infiltrating my mind, which is like, oh, um, you know, what are people going to think? Like, why do you need to share that? You're going to sound like you're a Rebbitson, you're not like this, you know, sort of this like battle within my mind. And I, what always helps me is that idea of like, it's not about me. Like, let me zone out. Like, who cares? Like what they think of me, what, you know, at the end of the day, I'm helping this one individual, that one person that's going to be inspired. You know, as soon as we focus out and not like, oh, what do I look like? And how do I sound? Then it, you know, it's like all about what we're zooming into. We can only really zoom into a limited amount of things at one time. Like you're yeah. Doing of yourself would take the pressure off pressure of myself and like but you know think about this person that might 
Davin Rachis now today, or that person that might do Megavasar today. And, and that just like also releases so much pressure. And, and at the end of the day, being connected spiritually, that's what it is. It's like when we're just connecting to our purpose rather than like focusing in on ourselves. Yeah, I, I would say what you to what you just said, um, the place where it comes from, like right, right where it started, right? You, you then you you said you came and you to realize that you know it's not about you, right? It's not about me. It's about the greater purpose. It's about like looking outward. But also, I think the place that it came from for you is the very and this is where your challenge is also an opportunity. Right. It's the point where you connect to others who need you, and that's why they say like there's this whole idea of the wounded healer. You know, the peop the greatest healers in the world are the ones who themselves have been through their own struggle and that's what makes them such an effective healer. So I think that we shouldn't underestimate the pain that's causing us to want something more and something different because that's where we have the greatest opportunity right. to make a difference in the world. And I, so I've seen it in my life because I lack the confidence and because of that, I was gonna hold myself back. And then I took small risks here and there, like at a Shabbos table or, you know, with a small group of people. And it started small. And then I started to get feedback from people who said, oh, my gosh, I have I feel like you're talking about my life, but it's not my life. Like, that's so strange. And I thought, OK, so it's not just me. And then the conversation started. And that's why today, I think with any issue that we are struggling with in the world, there's always a point of connection where you know, you could use that issue as like a catalyst for change, if that makes sense. So um, that's, that's why mental, yeah, I think mental health affects everybody, you know, and whether or not a person has an actual diagnosis. So I think that's, it's a good way to, to help people who struggle is, you know, if you struggle, that's, that's your best shot. Absolutely. Um, I think it's Rumi, the, the philosopher and poet that, he said the wound is where the light enters meaning if we're just so perfect you know so what what's the point but like when we are scarred and when we have that we have that capacity you know to hold the light so that's very true with what you said i actually relate to it also i have a very hard time um like showing myself on instagram or even doing this is hard for me um like we've been talking about doing something public like this for a long, long time. And I'm always like, no, 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 it's not for me. Um, even on Instagram, I have a hard time like sharing videos or making reels or any of these kind of things. And the only time actually now I'm reflecting is that I was able to do it is when I did this fundraiser for single moms. And it's about a greater purpose, you know, raising money for single moms. And that's the, basically close to, except for when I was like doing, working with Zelda, like that's, that's, that, that came with like a natural flow, clearly from Hashem. And it was, I was like a vessel and a conduit that was much easier for me. But I'm, this is like the first time I'm doing a podcast. I'm hosting with Zelda. I feel really honored to be a part of this. And thank you. And so like hearing your struggle, and I know you have this really wonderful podcast. People talk about it all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, you're always teaching and, and to know that you bra you braved through it actually gives me a lot of like encouragement. Um, so I'm really grateful actually to hear that. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're you're paying it forward too because I you know this is how it works it's like you take the chance and then someone else takes the chance and then it becomes like a ripple effect that you you know exactly like most people see people online and like oh they're confident right. oh and they don't you know right. they don't right. realize everyone everyone has issues as we heal that we're that we're working through as, yeah as we heal we uh, heal others yeah exactly
Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Um, so, you know, what would, what would be something that you would be able to share with our followers? I know you shared a lot and very powerful in writing um, thoughts, but like something that you think that really could help our audience accelerate their growth right now, wherever they are, um, you know, it could be something small, something big, what you think could actually, if they implement, could help them um, today, you know, right now as they're listening to this, something that they could implement um, into their lives. Um, so I think very often we, um, many of us like, up our, um, like we're bombarded with so many different, you know, tools and tips and self-help methods and we should be we should want this and we should do that and it's can be very confusing and one thing that I found was very helpful for me and for people that I've spoken to is choose five people five to seven people that you admire most people that you look up to they could be alive or not um, historical figures really anybody and then write why it is that you admire them or respect them or, or would want them to be a mentor let's say um, and then, you know, you write kind of maybe four or five things that you admire about them. And then you find the common denominators. Like, what is it that keeps showing up amongst different people? And based on those things, that's, that's kind of your springboard. That's your um, basis, right? That's for knowing where you want to go. It's because it's hard, to find, it's hard to find a mishpia. You know, it's not something that, you, that people spend a lifetime looking for a mishpia. So a mishpia is a mentor, someone that you can, you know, seek help from and, um, and trust and rely on. So this is like one way to do it, to kind of find direction and, and find your way. Um, and then one thing that I think is very profound, I mean, it's to the test of time even, is the, the serenity prayer um, from Alcoholics Anonymous is, is that, you know, it's God grant me the gift, you know, or, I'm sorry, I don't know the exact words, but to accept the things I cannot change um, to, to, to change the things that I can have the wisdom to know the difference. I think and I think part of that is is surrender you know a big part of that is surrender because when you're in that place of surrender you have more awareness of what you can and can't change and I think the mistake that many people make is wanting to make changes from a place of um, control and not the place of surrender and in that space we're not equipped to make the changes that we need to change to make, need to make the changes that we need to make um, in order to move to a place of contentment and happiness. I think that we can only make those, those decisions from a place of surrender. That's another counterintuitive thing. A lot of people say, once I, if, I'm sur if I surrender, like, ha then how do I know, like, where do I go from there? But no, that's where you have the most clarity to, to make decisions that you need to make in your life to live happily, happily ever after, but to live, you know, a wholesome and and a healthy, spiritual, beautiful uh, life. That's I beautiful. Think. I absolutely love the, yeah, the mentor one. That's like amazing. It's so true. Uh, Cause there is something that's attracting us to, to these people. There's definitely a common denominator between, between them all, you know, that's beautiful. You know, thank you so much. It was really, really enlightening and really powerful. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Likewise, um, really. Yeah, thank you so much. Bye. Keep doing what you do and keep, you know, spreading beautiful light everywhere. Thank you for inspiring all of us. Really. Yes. Have an amazing day. Thanks so much, guys. You too. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Oh My God podcast.
Make sure you hit subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform so you don't miss any of our upcoming interviews. If this episode spoke to you, please share it with someone you believe would love it just as much as you did and rate the podcast five stars so we can continue to make content like this for you. Do you have a question, suggestion, or interview request? Shoot us an email to omgpod at gmail.com. That's omgpod spelled O-H-E-M-G-E-E-P-O-D at gmail.com. We're so excited to hear what you think and cannot wait for you to tune in next week. Until then, shalom.